Welcome to 931, Growing the Church in Canada, a podcast about church revitalization and hosted by Heritage College and Theological Seminary in Cambridge, Ontario. Join us as we explore with Canadian leaders strategic topics related to church revitalization. My name is Keith Edwards, and I serve as the director of the Heritage Partner Church Resource Centre. I'm delighted to have with me on this podcast Dr. Rick Reed, the president of Heritage College and Seminary. Uh, Dr. Reed, tell us a little about your own experience of God's grace and how God gave you a love for the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, first of all, Keith, thanks for letting me be part of this podcast. I'm excited to see it launch. Uh, as far as uh, God's grace in my life, it started very early. I was born into the home of a mom and dad who loved the Lord. My dad was a pastor. So I heard the gospel as a young boy, came to embrace it when I was about seven years old. And as far as learning to love the church, I think that it was uh, more caught than taught, at least initially. My dad loved the church. He loved to pastor people, and it was a happy, healthy church. So I grew up like, what's not to love about this? Uh, Since that, I've come to know that churches aren't always as lovable (laughs) as we wished, and yet Jesus loves the church, and now... I would say my love for the church is both convictional as well as experiential. I love the church because of what I've seen in the church, but also because of how Jesus views the church. Now, before you came to Heritage in 2013, uh, you were serving for a number of years as the senior pastor of the Metropolitan Bible Church in Ottawa. Right. Uh, can, Can you share with us three or four key lessons that God taught you during those years? Well, coming to the Met in Ottawa was quite a big change for my little family. We moved from California to Canada, so it was a new culture, new country, and really a new context. Uh, The church that I had pastored right before coming to the Met was a church in more of a rural setting. Uh, It was like 20 minutes from the coast of California, on the beach uh, from uh, California, beautiful location. It was a smaller church in the sense that I was a solo pastor and I knew everybody. The Met was very different. Downtown, historic, multi-staffed. And yet, when I got there, the the elders of the church had just sent out a letter to the congregation saying that they believed that God was calling the church to a season of revitalization. And so my 15 years, just almost 15 years at the Met, we got to see how God brought about that revitalization that we all desired. As far as specific lessons, boy, uh, how much time do you got? You know, uh, <laughs> there's a lot you could say. Let, let me just give you a couple that just stand out. Uh, one lesson that I learned about in terms of helping a church, an established church, move forward would be this. Loving the church comes before leading the church. I heard John Hull, who was at the pastor of the People's Church at one point, I heard John Hull said, people need to know that you love them before they will let you change them. And I think that that's so true. When you come to a church, people need to know that you as their pastor love them. You love them as they are, and you love them for what they could become. So loving the church comes before leading the church. Here's a second one. Getting to know the church's history helps you chart its future. Uh, When I first arrived at the Met, I realized I needed to get to know its history if I was going to help lead it into its future. So I did a little ecclesiological exegesis. I started going around to people in all groups, old, young, new, and I would ask them the same question. I would say, tell me, you know, I'm just getting to know folks here. What is it that makes the Met the Met? And then I wrote down what they said. 
In other words, when our church has been at its best, what's best about our church? And I began to distill from their answers what were the historic values, the biblical values that had made the church at its best. And then when we started to launch its future, when we started to move forward, we linked future changes to past values to in present values. And that way it didn't seem like an aberration, but more of a continuation of what God had been doing in the church. How long a process did that take for you to really uh, do an exegetical study of the church to figure out what where the church had been and where it needed to go? In my case, I'd say it was probably a four to six months where I asked these questions. And then we had a retreat with the elders and their wives. And I presented my findings. I said, hey, let me tell you what I have found about your church. And I remember at, at the close of that meeting, one of the elders said, man, you know more about this church than I do. And I've been here 30 <laughs> years. Well, I didn't know more than he did, but I had come to know the heartbeat of the church. And I think you got to know its history if you're going to chart its future. Here's one last lesson, Keith, about revitalization. I would say this, you got to, when you begin to make changes, make changes that are spiritually strategic and relationally wise. You got to have both, right? Spiritually strategic and relationally wise. So you begin with things that, where you can make changes that will be appreciated. You upgrade where the people already say, yeah, we need that change. For a pastor who preaches, that's one of your first areas. You, you keep giving yourself to preach the word and then you make changes. Uh, Ed Stetzer says that when he surveyed comeback churches, the top three areas that comeback churches focused on were prayer, preaching, and evangelism. So you start making changes in some of those areas. Heritage College and Seminary exists for Christ and the church. That's, that's part of the ethos of who we are. As, as the president of this school, how does this motto shape our faculty, our staff, and our students? Well, you're right, Keith. We exist for the church. We can't exist without the church, and we exist for the church. So we evaluate our effectiveness on the most uh, fundamental level. We evaluate our effectiveness based on are we adding value to churches? Are churches saying about our students, we're so glad we got someone who went to Heritage. They get the church. They love the church. In fact, on our college, we say there are five themes we want every student who comes to our college to be uh, engaged in and embrace. The five themes are learn to know God, because we need to, you know, you need to know him Amen. and his word. Secondly, we say lead yourself first, because we want to train up people who can lead others, but you got to start by leading yourself third one is love others well. Fourth one is lift up the church. Yes. And the fifth one is live on mission. So we want all of our students, college and seminary, to leave here with a value of saying, I am sent to lift up the church. Now, a few years ago here at, at Heritage, we launched the graduate certificate in church health and evangelism. And, and we were delighted to have a number of church leaders from various denominational backgrounds who had years of experience come with their leaders, and they joined us as we explore together a number of key topics of internal health and external impact. What would you say are the key principles at the core of this initiative? Yeah, I, I believe that every church, especially once it's established, once it's been there for a while, every church has to be in an ongoing process of revitalization. Otherwise, you can end up like the Ephesian church. Remember what uh, the letter yes. to the Ephesian church, like you've lost it. You had it, but you lost it. So just because you had it and just because you have it doesn't mean you will have it. You have to continue to have spiritual vitality internally 
and gospel impact externally. So in the uh, program, as you talked about, we want to help churches focus on some of the areas that lead to greater internal health spiritually for the congregation and greater external impact in the community. So to do that, we focus on the life of the leader because uh, churches aren't going to be healthier than their leaders. Yes. So we focus on refocusing leadership. And then we focus on what is it going to take to have a discipleship process for your church that moves people towards greater maturity and at the same time have a greater intentional missional outreach that brings the gospel both locally and globally. Now, in this coming spring, we're going to be offering a one-week intensive course in the whole area of church revitalization. For us, that's so pivotal that even current students think through the, the, the biblical process, the, the pastoral process right. of leading revitalization. Let's explore together some of the convictions and challenges of, of this instruction. Let's, let's begin with this redefining and refocusing leadership. Uh, explain to us how God has shaped your own, your, your personal understanding of pastoral ministry. Well, when I first uh, was a solo pastor, it was a church in California, um, and we hit our first major speed bump. Uh, there was a bit of a coup on the inside when some people thought, hey, this church is starting to change, and they were threatened by that. And I was threatened. I was a young pastor, 30 years old, kind of the solo pastor, and now I was thinking, what's going on? It turned out one of my seminary profs was traveling through the area and we had breakfast and he said something that changed the trajectory of my leadership. He said to me, he had been my preaching prof, he said, Rick, God has given you some capacity for fruitfulness in your preaching that will never reach its full yield unless you grow in your leadership. And I had been timid and cautious. So after that breakfast with uh, my prof, I went back and made a commitment. I said, Lord, I know that leadership in these areas is frightening to me. I don't feel natural at this, but I'm going to relentlessly pursue getting better for the sake of the church. When I got to the Met, again, I felt outsized by the task. It was now in a multiple uh, staff setting. It was a large church. And, and my little line that I would say over and over was, I don't want the Met to be limited by my limitations. So I went out, and wherever I could find pastors that were further down the trail than I was, I sat with them and said, tell me, here's some questions yeah. I have. And I started to grow. And I've maintained, I think, that posture for my lifetime. I still am in that posture. I want to get better as a leader for the sake of those I lead. And I think that's crucial for every pastoral leader to have that kind of a heartbeat. So, so for current leaders, you would say there needs to be a blend of formal formal instruction, they can actually pursue it either through a seminary or seminar, but also informal. So some of it came through just conversations, conversations with other pastors and pastoral gatherings, phone calls, appointments. You just were absorbing that. How did you consolidate? Did you you begin to consolidate the principles into sort of a key focus? Because there's so many areas that pastors like to talk about. Yes. Uh, I do agree with you, Keith, that it has to be a blend, or it's ideally a blend of both formal and informal. That's why at Heritage, we say we're training people for pastoral ministry in partnership with local churches. That's why we do internships. That's why we stay connected, because we don't believe the seminary in isolation from the church can really train effective leaders. We also believe that local churches need what the seminary brings, that together we are better. 
So as I as I did some informal training with through pastors, I also was in a formal degree program. Uh, I did a doctor of ministry at that point. I was just trying to learn, and my focus was on how do I better shepherd people so that we move on God's agenda towards God's mission. And so that became really a heartbeat. Here's that little funny aside. I remember I was talking with one established leader in a large church from uh, out west, and I was talking about staff relationships. And he said something to me that I thought was a little humorous, uh, but also very insightful. We were talking about hiring people that are self-starters. And he said to me, he said, Rick, if you have to carry the dog to fetch the stick, you don't need the dog. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, point well taken. Now, you you have used and recommended uh, a number of books. I know you love books and you read. That's part of the growth process, really, for, for leadership. One of the books you've recommended even here on campus is entitled Leadership Prayers. Uh, several of our students who've used it have, have spoken of the blessing. They've spoken to me and to others of, of the blessing of using this text. Why did you choose it? Why would you recommend uh, this book as, as part of the process for leadership growth and development? I was given that book by one of our pastors that's linked to the church, and I read it. He gave it to me with a blessing saying, I think you'll find this useful in your role. And as I was starting my ministry here at the school, I would read. The, the, the chapters are short. They're pithy. They have a prayer included. I, I just found them dealing with topics that really minister to my heart. Uh, leadership is not just all a matter of technique and a matter of, you know, kind of processes. It's also a matter of heart and perspective. And I felt this book got to some of those areas in a beautiful way. Now, part of the leadership focus and that revitalization for the pastoral leaders certainly involves the instruction in the place of preaching, the place of preaching in leading health and external gospel impact. What are some of the goals that you have? You, You lead us in that process of giving training and preaching. What are some of the goals and and purposes that you have behind that instruction? I believe preaching, biblical expository preaching, is vital to the health of any church. Uh, One of my lines that I've said over and over is that pastors must do more than preach well, but they can't do less. So we are committed as a school of training up a whole generation of gospel-hearted expositors. I believe that's scriptural. Uh, You know, when you look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, God gave to the church pastors and teachers. When Jesus called Peter, recommissioned him there in John 21, he said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Paul commanded Timothy, devote yourself to preaching and teaching, reading the scriptures, preach the word. So pastors have to do more than preach well. I get that. They have to lead and shepherd, but they can't do less. By the way, um, if you're trying to revitalize a church, preaching, I think, should be one of your top priorities. There was a, a big Gallup poll study that came out in 2017 on why people go to church. It, uh, it, was, uh, it was fascinating to a lot of people that looked at the results because what they found was this. For 76%, now this was done in the States, but I think it would probably have a lot of carryover up here in sure. Canada. 76% of the people who responded, why do you go to church? 76 said preaching is a major factor of when they choose a church. 76. The next one down was what do you have for my kids and teenagers? That was 64%. And everything else was south of that. So it still is not only pivotal. biblically pivotal, but it is practically essential that we help people preach well. And that's one of the passions of my life 
is to help people preach and teach God's word so that it connects with people's heart and brings about the life of the church in a new way. Excellent. Well, we're grateful to have had you on this podcast. We're certainly going to be exploring other issues as uh, the podcast develops and as we see God bring revitalization. That's our prayer. That's our passion here at the school, that God would use this and use the training, use what we're doing for his glory and for the good of many churches, not only here in Canada, but around the world as he blesses. Thanks so much. Thank you, Keith. Thanks for tuning in to 931 Growing the Church in Canada, a podcast seeking to explore issues of church revitalization. To learn more about what Heritage College and Theological Seminary has to offer you and your church, please visit our website at heritagecambridge.com where we're seeking to honour and serve Jesus Christ and His Bride, the Church.